Why, hello there. This is Sister Service. Um, you know, tonight I wanted to talk to you about a story of something that happened to me a while ago. Um, I was event planning with someone and we were doing everything by text message. This person was far away. Um, there was no um, possibility that we could meet before this event. And um, we had been text messaging while back and forth. And um, at one point, the person um, almost suddenly became rude. And it was kind of a shock to me. I, I couldn't believe that this person would be so rude. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just thinking it too much, thinking about it too much. So I showed um, the text messages to um, two people that are very close to me and they were like, oh my goodness, that is incredibly rude. And I couldn't believe it, um, especially because we were all in the same faith and um, it, it was just kind of a bit of a shock. And then I thought about it. Um, interesting to me, as I have been growing and changing and learning through the gospel, some of the hardest things that we deal with in life are interactions with other people. And I am reading this wonderful book these last um, week or two. Um, it is called Crucial Conversations, and it's written by Carrie Patterson, Joseph Granny, um, Ron Mc McMillan, and Al um, Switzer. And um, these four people kind of come together and they made this book, Crucial Conversations. And the foreword in the front is by Stephen R. Covey. And I've loved it because um, it has opened up a lot of depths for me. Obviously, in the past, I've read other books that have helped in in uh, my uh, learning. Um, some of those are by the Arbinger um, group and um, things like leadership and self-deception and the outward mindset. I love that one. Um, and so I already have a kind of a slice of understanding as far as how we change the world around us. But in crucial conversations, we now focus in on just the power that we have as we speak and interact with other people. Now, I know you're wondering, Sister Service, you always talk about gospel subjects. How does this relate? And I am going to give you a challenge to see how it doesn't relate because it relates in every possible way. Um, all truth can be circumscribed into one great whole and everything kind of just intermingles with other things. And so you're going to see throughout all the things I'm talking about, the gospel aspect. Um, crucial conversations can happen when you're trying to explain your faith to somebody or when you're trying to um, talk to somebody about a tough subject. Um, maybe it's a loved one who's left the church and, and you want to talk with them. Or maybe you just want to um, have something important to say while you're talking with someone else and uh, there's this moment where you're worried. Really, a crucial conversation can come up at any time and most of them you're actually caught off guard. You think you are about to have a normal talk, a normal interaction with someone, and then all of a sudden it just turns. And um, there's that moment of panic or anger. Um, you might even feel like you're being attacked all of a sudden. So these, um, these tips that we're going to talk about really quickly are going to, they're just helpful. There's just a wonderful way to reevaluate yourself and um, those moments when they occur. So one of the first things that you have to realize is that um, when it comes to 
you know, crucial conversations, um, you have to realize that there is something called a pool of shared meaning, and that's kind of what they call it. Um, but that there is not just you in the mix of things and not just your opinion is important. Everyone's opinion is important. And so when we want to interact with somebody into that pool of shared meaning, we also have to realize that that may actually mean that we need to listen and hear them so that we can connect. Um, sometimes we go in to something, we enter into a conversation and we might not be thinking about that other person's needs or their feelings. And so we just need to realize that um, it's important to enter in together that pool of shared meaning. If you're only going into it for your own um, reasons, for your own desires, um, you've already got off on the wrong foot. And honestly, one of the best lines um, in this book, I'll just read it really quickly because I may or may not have read it to my kids tonight before I tuck them in. <laughs> Every time we find ourselves arguing, debating, running away, or otherwise acting in an ineffective way, it's because we don't know how to share meaning. Instead of engaging in healthy dialogue, we play silly and costly games. That's um, just two sentences from this book, but it's beautiful and it helps illustrate the issue that's happening, um, especially, and I find um, between the kids, these are, this. if you can just teach these things to your children when they're young, think of how much they will have as far as an advantage when they enter into relationships as adults. Um, I can't, I can't, it's invaluable that there's no, there's no other way to say that. But also you should know that it doesn't matter if you're 80, that these things are worth learning about and changing now. And the very first principle that this book teaches us is work on me first. And isn't that interesting? You know, when Jesus Christ was here on the earth, he's asking us to first fix ourselves, to first um, learn of him and keep his commandments. And then after that, we can start to share. But we first need to, you know, work on ourselves and get ourselves straight before we can start to expect to be able to teach this to other people. In fact, the book actually makes a little hilarious joke about you can't just buy this book and hand it to somebody because you want them to learn it. Um, that's, that's wrong. You, you, buy this book because you want to figure out how to become a master of conversation. The book also reminds you that skilled people start with the heart. And that means that you are going to make sure you've got the right motives and that you stay focused no matter what happens. Also, um, when I talk about that, um, it goes right into first focus on what you really want. And at this point is when you start to realize maybe it's time to examine your motives. Are they only self-serving? Are your underlying motives um, just only about you? What do I really want for myself? Yes, that's important. But what do I really want for others is important too. And what do I want out of the relationship that I have with whatever person that I is that you're, um, you're talking with, or, you know, um, you also need to be very careful about your shifting desires. And that is when 
um, you might have started a regular casual conversation and now this is turned into something that maybe feels like an attack and it makes you want to shift your desires to attack back instead of, and then you lose, you know, your, what you really want. So instead of focusing on what you really want, you've lost your place and now you're playing the silly games too. So you kind of want to locate your North Star. For me, that is Jesus Christ. I feel like he is my North Star when I think of him speaking to the crowd as they threw the woman in adultery in front of him. And they wanted an answer immediately. He didn't give them an answer immediately. He he waited a moment and he was drawing in the sand and he waited a little bit. Maybe he was collecting his thoughts. I don't know, but I think there's something powerful in the fact that he paused for a moment before he said something. And so we really want to make sure that we stick with our original motives and we don't want to do these three things. And they are wanting to win, seeking revenge, and that this is the third one and this is going to really throw you for a loop, hoping to remain safe. That one's kind of my favorite, actually. I, I have often confused peace with um, avoiding conflict. And it's very easy to do. We basically do it by avoiding the possibility of an uncomfortable conversation. And so we think, oh, well, I'm choosing peace. Um, but really you might just be choosing to stay safe and avoid, avoid, avoid. And that isn't how um, Heavenly Father or Jesus Christ want us to do things. If you notice all throughout Christ's life, he says the uncomfortable truths. He says them tactful at the right time, but he says them. And then after that, there is something called the sucker's choices that the book talks about. And basically, that's just another lie that we tell ourselves where we say, um, here's, there's only two options and neither of them are good. So I'm just going to pick the lesser of the two evils when there's always actually a third option. And that is a way to healthy behavior, healthy, um, conversations. They just are harder. And so we always tell ourselves, well, I had to, I had to act poorly because it was either that or the person gets away with doing something bad, you know, but actually there's a third option. And so we need to stay away from suckers choices, which are, um, two bad, two bad options. And there's more than that. We need to be more creative in our thought and thinking. There's always more than two choices. And so that goes into the next thing, which is what is those choices? What is that? What is the right choice? And you need to set up those choices in your heart and mind. Um, you have to first clarify what you want and clarify what you don't want. And then after that, you need to say something that is very difficult to say. And it is, is it possible that I can come together? Is it possible there's a way to accomplish both um, missions here? Is there a way to tell um, somebody your real concerns and not insult them? Is there a way to talk about annoying behavior and not be self-righteous? Um, you know, things like that. Is there a way to do both? Because there is. And um, you have to also believe that. I think that's the first step. 
Now, obviously, we don't have time to talk about the entire book, but the next part that I do want to talk to you about quickly is to watch for conditions of safety. Um, as you enter into a crucial conversation, there might be a moment and all of a sudden it changes into this crucial conversation and, and you might feel attacked or threatened or upset. Right then you need to assess the conditions before you open your mouth. And the reason for that is because you need to look for safety. Now, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because when people are maybe heated or upset, there's games that we sometimes play. Um, and the two games usually fall into either one of these categories, either the silence game, and there's a whole bunch of things that fall under that, or the violence game, and a bunch of um, a behavior falls under that. By silence, it just doesn't mean just silence. It doesn't mean just throwing up a wall. It means pouting. It means um, just being quietly aggressive, um, not wanting to play anymore, basically, not wanting to engage anymore, um, withdrawing. Uh, violence would be, it could be physical violence, but really what it means is just aggressive behavior or threats. Um, and so what you need to assess very, very honestly is what your style is when you're under stress. Do you start attacking or do you withdraw? Um, when you're under stress, it's good to know what you look like, what you sound like. Um, I know in my own life, I've there. there's actually a quiz inside this book. It's really great. And I have noticed things about myself and I've known them for years. And it's very difficult um, for me to even admit. But when you're in the middle of a problem and you need to come together, you also under, you, you need to understand your style under stress and try to avoid the silence or violence because your emotions play a part in whether a conversation is safe. Now I keep going, I keep talking about safety and you're like, I don't know what that means. What it means is when it's safe in a conversation, you can say anything. If you make it safe, you can literally talk about anything that's bothering you because now it's safe and you know you're not going to get attacked by somebody. And so making, watching for the conditions of the conversation and how it sounds, watching for safety is huge. You will never get anywhere in your conversation if anyone in the conversation feels insecure or unsafe. And you need to feel safe because you're going to have feedback come back to you and you're not maybe going to like that all the time. But if you trust in this process and trust in finding safety and, and creating safety, you will realize that you can, you can take that feedback and it'll be super helpful to you. You'll be able to take feedback and say, you know what? You're right. I did do that. And I'm sorry. And here's what I would like for us to do. And all of a sudden now you're logical and you are focused in on your objective rather than being aggressive or firing back. The root of a lot of problems is fear. So in the beginning of this talk, when I was telling you about that text message, um, 
I immediately thought to myself, this person's experiencing fear and they're experiencing a worry that maybe because I asked a question that maybe that meant that they, um, I, maybe I was insinuating that they could not be trusted to handle something. And once I realized that that person was coming from a place of fear, um, I was able to understand that situation a little bit better. And I thought, you know what, I bet this person has in the past maybe um, drop the ball and maybe that's an insecurity place for them. And so I just, I just backed off. Um, I very gently explained myself and they were even more rude. And that's when I went, okay, let me, let me, let me just ease up here and, and I'll wait until I see the person in person. And once I met this person in person, it was great because I could easily in the conversation assess where his safety was and I was able to like, you know, we came to common ground and it, it went really well. And I had confidence in that. I had confidence that sometimes messages are lost in text message. The intents are lost. And, but I had confidence in the fact that I could make it be okay once I met in person. And that's exactly what happened at the very end of our event. Um, this person came over and hugged me and it was great. It went well. Fear makes us do things that we wouldn't normally do. It makes us say things or see things that we wouldn't normally say or see in other people, um, or dealing with other people. So you, so if you want to have um, mastery over your conversations, you need to fight your natural tendency to respond in kind. When somebody gives you something negative, you cannot respond back negative. You've got to try to hold on for a second to your North Star. I hold on to Jesus Christ and I want really hard to do um, his will and his path and should walk that. Am I always successful? Uh, no. Lest ye think I am a liar or perfect or anything. I just want you to know I fail. Oh, so many times. I mean, right after I read this amazing book and I'm telling people about it, um, I had an epic fail and I was like, but it's a great book. You know, I got all defensive and I remember thinking I failed on my first, uh, anyways, whatever. That's a part of this. Everything that we do is learning. And so don't look at failure as failure. Look at it as stepping stones to a better you, to a more, con more compassionate you. Um, so really quickly, just to remind you that the silence game is masking, it's avoiding, it's withdrawing. And the violence game is controlling and labeling and basically attacking. And if you can look for those styles under stress, if you can look for those moments, then you can see an unsafe environment. Well, how do you make it safe again? Um, to me, this it goes right back down to our confidence in ourselves and our abilities. Um, if we understand that we are divinely made and that we are capable of so much more than we are now tapped into, that it is our destiny to grow, then we have to realize that we can do this. We can 
take back the natural tendencies in our hearts and minds. We can engage and we can succeed. We don't need to lose our focus when we are in the middle of an intense, um, you know, moment. We don't need to um, play the denial game when, you know, when somebody asks us a real question. We don't need to back away from it. We don't need to pretend like nothing's wrong. Um, you know, when somebody says, how are you? And you're like, I'm fine. And you know, it's a lie. Okay. You don't need to lie anymore. You need to be the most honest you you can, but there's the right way to do it. Tact. Our savior was patient, long suffering, charitable and kind. The more we become and want to use him as our North star, I think the happier we're going to be because we need to care about what other people think. And that's very difficult. The last thing that I'm going to touch on before I leave you, and that is how to step out, make it safe and step back in. Um, when there is a problem that arises and you're in the middle of a heated argument and things are not going your way, you might think that you're doing the silence by walking out of the room um, and you might be, but if you have a plan to come back in after you've cooled down a bit and re-engage, then you're doing this. And this is called step out, make it safe, step back in. And by make it safe is when you finally start to maybe admit some of the things that you just got called out on, <laughs> or maybe, um, you notice that, a person's wounded or hurt or upset and you need it to give that just a little bit of a time because uh, we also have to realize that some people can get really heated really loud really upset really that is not the time you you need to make sure that when you're having a conversation it's not just only the best time for you I mean if your spouse wakes up at 5 a.m. and you don't have to wake up until you know noon um, you know, 11 p.m. is not the best time for both of you to be talking at all. And you need to acknowledge that. You need to think about that other person. As you're chatting with somebody and they're angry and they're firing back, you have to realize they're not safe. And so once you spot those safety problems, you need to kind of address them and um, try to find common ground and change gears for a minute. And be super honest because the second they feel malicious intent, you've lost safety. So there has to be mutual purpose. And that means that others perceive that we are working toward a common outcome, right? We need to find mutual purpose. The second you lose mutual purpose, you've lost your conversation. Even if you 100% do not agree on a lot of what you're about to say to each other, you can at least regard the other person's basic humanity and honor them for their basic body, that they're a live human being. They are a very important um, son or daughter of God. And you can have a commonality on at least that that respect is like air. I love it that the book says this respect is like air. Without it, you don't breathe. You can't function. You, you cannot have a conversation without respect.
and apologize when it's appropriate. You know, it's not always appropriate to apologize. Like, um, with that text message that I was dealing with, I, there's no part of me that needed to apologize for what had been said. Not one thing that I had ever said could ever be construed as being rude. Everything I said was very, very respectful. And, um, I, I don't need to apologize for that. What I do need to apologize for is when I start copping an attitude with my husband, maybe, or maybe when I'm real short with one of my kids, when they've asked me a question for the 1000th time, um, I do need to apologize for things that I've done. And that does not make me a doormat. It makes me a person who is powerful and in charge of themselves, a respectable person. People being able to show your children that you are physically capable of apologizing will help them to be more that way as well with all of the people they interact with. Because children model the behavior, I mean, that was, that are, that was modeled for them. You know, they're going to do what they see you do. And um, at least in part. And they take that with them throughout their lives. In John thirteen thirty four, we read, And Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. You should seek to love all those that you are um, speaking with and interacting with. Remembering that the person you speak and interact with the most sometimes is yourself. The way we talk to ourselves, our internal voice is kind of where we build all of these things from. If we are kind to ourselves and understanding of ourselves, weaknesses, and the, the times we're going to stumble, um, you, you just have to be there. You have to be kind. You do, we do need to repent. We do need to get on our knees and beg for our Heavenly Father's forgiveness and His, the atoning blood of Christ to help us through. But be kind, because I feel like that is the basis for your, self, um, your self-worth, the way you feel, the way you feel like you can overcome. All of the struggles that you're struggling with as far as conversations can be overcome. And, um, if, and I've made some wonderful strides this last few months, I, I am over the moon about, um, the possibilities and I hope that you feel that way too. We, all we can do is just try, fail, try again over and over until we get it right, until we have controlled and mastered this amazing body that heavenly father has given us and we will not be able to do it all. But we're going to get somewhere and it's going to be amazing because whatever intelligence we gain here on earth will have so much the advantage in the world to come. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.